Well, welcome everybody. It's so good to have you all with us here today. And uh, we want to say welcome out to our Stone Canyon campus. Would you welcome them into our time and those joining us online? Good to have them with us. Chad's been out there this morning, and uh, so I get the opportunity to get up here and share a little bit. And uh, if you were with us last week, uh, you might remember that we did what was called the uh, Baskets of Love food drive. We invited everybody to bring food as we're partnering with John 316 in their Thanksgiving food drive to bless families at Thanksgiving. Uh, First Church uh, came through, you all came through with 1,127 pounds of food. That's awesome. Plus, yeah, plus 47 turkeys, plus clothes, plus a bunch of other stuff we took uh, uh, to them. And so they were blown away. John 3, 16 was blown away. And I love it when we blow people away with uh, the love of Jesus and uh, loving like Jesus. So way to go, church. Uh, that's awesome, 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 awesome. All right. Um, but anyway, hey, uh, as uh, was already mentioned, we are in our Green Country series. I hope you've been here for uh, the last couple of weeks as, been, as we've been walking through this and uh, walking through Psalm 23, the 23rd Psalm, very familiar Psalm, and I love where we've been and I love where we're going with this. And, and uh, so far, what we've talked about is when we are living life with Jesus, uh, we find a place of rest. That was that first week, and I know this spoke to a lot of people because we got a lot of comments and, and people uh, just saying, yes, I needed to hear that because we live in a very busy go, 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 go culture, and sometimes we've got to be reminded that our God calls us to rest, all right, to, to take time to, to nourish ourselves and to take care of ourselves, and, and so we need that reminder. The second thing that we talked about uh, just last week was when we walk with, in, in life with Christ that we find a place of rest restoration, that he restores our soul, we talked about, and that when we come to know Christ, we, we, we cross over from death to life, and remember that in the, in the cross that uh, Christ died on, accomplished that opportunity for us, the, the, the ability really to be made right with him and, and restored wholly with him. And so what we have seen and what we're really discovering as we walk through this text and we walk through this uh, chapter is the rhythm that God has really laid out for us in life. As we walk with him through this life, we, we discover there's a spiritual rhythm to life. And the way that we've watched this play out is in the rhythm of a shepherd with his sheep. All right? A shepherd with a sheep. That's what we've been seeing so far in, this, in, the, in the words that Dave has been sharing with us. There's a guy by the name of Philip Keller. He wrote a book back in the 70s about, and he was a shepherd. And his book was A shepherd, Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23. And he looks at it from a whole different perspective as himself as a shepherd, as well as he went and studied other shepherds over in northern Africa in the, in the area over there and how they shepherded. And it gave him a whole new light to Psalm 23. And what he revealed, one of the things that he reveals in his book is this rhythm that we see in the shepherd and in, in the shepherd with his sheep. So far in verses one, two, and three, we have been in the in the winter time. You see, the shepherd in the winter times would bring their sheep from, from the upper meadows and bring them down into the, the lower lands, the lowlands where where the home ranch would be. And that's where they would spend their, their winter times. It would be warmer there. They, and they may still get snow. It may still get cold. There may be, still be storms. But it would not be like it would be up on top of the mesas, up high. And so they'd bring them down to the home ranch where they'd be taken care of. And there would be green pastures. And there would be still water provided for them during the winter time. And that's where we've spent our time in verses 1, 2, and 3 in this wintertime location for the sheep where the shepherd would take care of them. But as we come into the next part of the 
the chapter, we begin to see the transition from winter to spring to summer. And as the shepherd is about to lead his sheep up the valley into the upper mesas, the tablelands, where they would graze for the summer. Now, I don't know if you've picked up on yet, this whole metaphor of us being sheep is not really a compliment. <laughs> I mean, I know Chad's touched on that a little bit. It's not much of a compliment, really. Uh, it's not like David is uh, pinning these words and speaking of God's aspir- uh, 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 love for us and uh, like saying, I love you because you're just so, you're so cuddly and cute and fluffy. I love it when you go, bah, you know. I can't do a sheep voice, sorry. Hmm. Is it a voice? Sound. Anyway, whatever. That's not what he's saying. What he's really saying is, you're really just not that smart, are you? <laughs> yeah, that's about right. Bless your heart. <laughs> you know, it's just, you're giving a good shot. It's kind of like if we could put ourselves in the, in, in the shoes of the sheep, if they wear shoes. Anyway, um, you know, think about a sheep walking into his sheep pen and go, man, this is such a great pen. Lots of food, lots of water. All my friends are here. My shepherd is here and he's watching over me and taking care of me and he's guarding me and guarding me overnight even. I just, it's such a wonderful place to be here in, in my sheep pen. But you know, I think I'm going to go over here on my own for a little while. <laughs> I'm just going to try it on my own out here in the wilderness all by myself and I'll be okay, right? That's, that's kind of the way we sheep operate sometimes, right? That's why Jesus told the story about the shepherd who left the 99 to go after the one. Because there's always the one who thinks he can make it on their own, that she can make it on their own. And so, and truth be known, there are times where every one of us have been the one. (laughs) Bless your heart. You thought you could do it on your own. You need the shepherd. And so we, we continue on in this text, and I believe what we begin to see is God's call for us to grow up, to grow in our faith, to not stay in the lowlands, but continue to press on and to grow in your faith. And what we would call this is an even though I will faith. Even though I will. And we see this play out in a number of characters in the Bible, stories in the Bible that uh, to many of you would be familiar. Maybe you're already thinking of some people who went some, through some even those situations but still said, I will. I, I think of Daniel. Even though he faced the threat of lions, he said, I will pray and worship. Right? Even though, even though you're threatening, threatening me with lions, being thrown into the lion's den, I will pray and worship. And he did. And he did. And he did. And he, yeah. Even though. I think of Noah. Even though he had not seen rain, even though everybody was ridiculing him and making fun of him, <laughs> you're building a big boat in the middle of the desert. Yeah, what are you, you know. Even though all those things, he said, I will obey. I will build a boat. And he did. I think about, think about Paul, the Apostle Paul. In prison, 
chained to guards, even though he's in prison, even though chained to guards, even though he, he was on a missions trip when this happened. I mean, come on. But even though he says, I will worship, I will sing praises in my jail cell. That was Paul. Even though I will. Have you been in an even though situation? Some of you maybe right now, you, you can think of your even though situation that you're going through in life. See, I, I think God's calling us to grow in our faith towards that kind of a faith, that even though I will faith. Because that's what we hear here in Philippians or Psalm 23, 4. In this text, that's where he goes. L- listen to it. Follow along with me if you got it. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they come for me. Even though, even though I'm walking through this valley, I will fear no evil. You hear it? It's there. It's interesting in this text, up until now, it seems like the sheep that is talking, all right, this is going with the metaphor that David's sharing with us here, the sheep that is talking seems to be bragging about his shepherd. I mean, everything's about the shepherd, right? Uh, it's almost like he's bragging to another sheep in another sheep pen, like the, the pen right next to him. It's like, hey, let, let me tell you about my shepherd. And so he begins to share, and you walk down through the list. Hey, my shepherd, he takes really good care of us. Like, I don't want for anything. That's my shepherd. My shepherd, he, man, he makes me take a rest. I mean, he makes me lay down in green pastures. Sometimes I'm not that smart and I need him to make me do it. You know, he knows I need that rest. My shepherd, my shepherd, he, he provides me all the water I need. It's so refreshing. He makes sure I'm refreshed. My shepherd, he, he restores me. Whenever I'm down, he's there. He's always comforting me. He's leading me. He always, he always, my shepherd, he always leads me in the right path, the right way. We never get lost with my shepherd. I mean, he just, he always knows where to go. He always leads the way. So good. That's my shepherd. And it's like he's bragging to this other sheep. Hey, that's my shepherd. How's your shepherd? Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> Stinks to be you. <laughs> My shepherd's awesome, you know? And so that, but that seems to be where he's at here, just bragging about his shepherd. My shepherd is awesome. But then he shifts gears here in the text. Maybe you notice that. He begins to get very personal here in, in the text as he begins to talk to his shepherd. Do you see that in there? I'll fear no evil because you are with me. He's talking to the shepherd. Your rod, your staff, they cover me. He, he's, now it's like, it's like okay, I, I, I've talked about him enough. Now I've just got to give him praise. Let me just tell you about how awesome you are, shepherd. <laughs> you know? And he just can't keep it in as he begins to, to give his shepherd praise. And one of the first things that he acknowledges about his shepherd is that he is with him through the valley. Even though I go even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're there. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Have you, have you been in that valley? I, I would venture to say that there's in, in a crowd this size and those listening, there's probably some who, who are in the valley. Maybe you've lost somebody dear to you very recently and, and you're, you're living that, you're in that, that, that moment. And you've walked it. Probably every one of us have walked it. And part of the rhythm of our life is that we will walk it at some point. Whether it be our own, 
shadow of death, the physical death that we're dealing with, but or that of somebody else dear to us, near to us. We all walk that valley at some point, multiple times. But I don't know that it's so much of a all wrapped up and connected to a physical death because I think we all go through times in life where we face other kinds of deaths. The death of a hope, the death of a dream, the death of a career, the death of a relationship, a marriage, death of dreams for our kids. And it's like, wow, what happened? Where did that go? Why did they do that? What? And we face those deaths in our life. The valley of the shadow of death. It's a place where I, I, I believe David would know. Do you know that there is a literal valley known as the valley of the shadow of death? It's on the east side of Jerusalem. It's where they bury many of the dead. The Jews want to be buried on that side because it's on the east side of Jerusalem. And they believe that when Jesus uh, comes again, when the Messiah comes, he's going to come through the, through the east gate. And so they want to be there. They want to be the first ones. <laughs> you know. Shocker, he's already been here, you know. Coming back again. Anyway, sorry. Um, but it's that valley of the shadow of death there on the east side of Jerusalem that whenever David was his son Absalom, if you remember this story, his son Absalom wanted to take over the kingdom. And, and so David uh, fled for his life and he fled out of Jerusalem. And do you know where he fled through? He fled through the valley of the shadow of death. He knows the valley. You know how, how hard it is. He knows how hard it is. Jesus would know that valley. The night that Jesus was betrayed and arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, they would arrest him, and then they would lead him through the valley of the shadow of death into Jerusalem where he would be put on trial and then eventually led out to be crucified. He knows the valley of the shadow of death. Do you know the valley of the shadow of death? Have you... Have you have you walked it? Chances are you have. And if you have not, you will. It's part of the rhythm. And David, this, as a sheep, he says, even though I walk through this valley, I will fear an evil. Why? Why will I not fear any evil? For you are with me. Doesn't say because you're going to make it easy. <laughs> I'm not going to fear it because you're going to make it all make sense. I know it's you're going to make it you're going to tell me that why this is all happening and you know why this tragedy struck. You're no. No, simply you're with me. Presence the presence of our shepherd, the presence of our Savior is all that it should take to, to alleviate any of the fears that we face in this life. Just knowing that we have a shepherd who is there with us, walking with us through it. Because we know he's already been there. We know that he's already gone to prepare the way. We're about to find out that he's prepared the table, but you know what happens is he, he walks that valley before the sheep ever get there. He has already done that. Hebrews speaks to that about Jesus, our Savior who came, and he faced all the same temptations that we did so that he knows what we're going through. He's walked it. And so we can hold on to him and know that he is walking with us through it. 
You see what happens though. Sometimes we as sheep, we don't stay very close to our shepherd. He's there. But we begin to look at all the tall rock walls and think about all the, the predators that might be lurking there. And we see the rushing water of the snow melt that's coming down the stream and it's really rushing. And it's like, oh, this is scary. I don't think I want to be here. I think I'm going to go back to the home ranch. And we run away from our shepherd instead of staying close to our shepherd. And it's those sheep that wander away, that run off. There's, those are the ones, those are the ones the shepherd has to go find don't always make it back. So he says there, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And he goes on, for your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, again, going back to this whole imagery, what he's talking about here in our westernized minds, I would assume that there's probably no shepherds in here. Maybe there is. Well, I don't know. Anyway, what is a rod and what is a staff? What do these look like? Because there's all kinds of ideas, but, but from what we gather, these are two separate instruments that are used by the shepherd to take care of his sheep. The, the rod would be somewhat of a shorter rod stick that he found and very specifically found because the end of it would have kind of a ball on it that would fit his palm, and he would use this to protect his sheep. That I mean, you, there's stories about how, how they, have, they kill predators, mountain lions, and, and bears with, with, a, with a rod. I mean, wham! And I've read a story about one who killed a cobra. The guys were pulling over a rock and this king cobra, and wham, he hit it and just killed it. Just bam, like that. That's how they used the rod. It was for, for, for protection. It was also used for correction at time when a crazy ram gets out of hand and they'll pop him between the eyes. Sometimes we need a good pop between the eyes, don't we? All right? And sometimes he uses it for that, for that, that correction, that, that discipline that we need. He's got that rod. But he also has a staff. Now, the staff is what we would probably generally think about, the, the long stick with a hook on the end of it. And oh, I wish I had one. I should have had one up here. Anyway, and, but, the, but the shepherd could use that to, to save the sheep if a sheep fell into the rushing waters. And he was close enough. If the sheep was there close, he could, he could grab it and pull it out and bring it back to safety. Or he could give a little direction. No, we're going to go this way. Just a little tap on the shoulder, tap on the side. And it was also a very comforting thing for a sheep. Sometimes you can see a shepherd walking with a staff, and the sheep will be all around him. Those who are really dear to him are usually the ones closest to him. And sometimes you can see that shepherd just rubbing that staff around the belly of that sheep and that sheep's going oh yeah that feels good you know you know I don't know if sheep do that cats do that uh, dogs do that anyway um where was I uh yeah comfort and so there's that comforting element to the shepherd's staff to the sheep and so so the sheep says hey I, I know I'm in the valley but there's there's my shepherd, and he's got his rod, and he's got his staff. We're good. I'm just going to stay close to him as we press on through the valley. Now, we would love to rewrite this whole thing and just say, uh, you know, um, Though I, even though we've got to go through the valley, we're gonna, he's going to lead us to the easy valley. <laughs> or, or we don't even have to go through the valley. He knows a better path around and up, and we don't have to go through that. You know, we, we would love to rewrite this. Oh, you know, even though I go through the valley, my, my shepherd carries me all the way, and I don't even have to worry, you know. No, no, he's there, but we've got to, we have to stay with him. 
as we continue our journey in the valley. When you go on to chapter five, or verse 5 there in Psalm 23, I, I believe that continues to speak to this whole idea of comfort and presence when he begins to talk about the table. If you look at that with me, or in verse 5, he says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Again, we'd love to rewrite this and say, You prepare a table before me just for me and you. And it's going to be awesome, and you're going to anoint me, and my cup overflows. We'd love to leave out the whole enemy part, but no, that's not what it says, in the presence of my enemy. He prepares the table. Again, it's that preparation idea that he has set the table, just like this one right here. Crazy that we have one on stage. Just happened to happen that way. But he prepares this table for us to be able to sit at with, with him, to, to be in his presence with as we walk through this life and as we go through this life with him. So let me sit at the table and bring this with me. Now this table represents, I mean really, this table represents our relationship with Jesus. Listen, there, there, are, there were probably songs that we sang today that you don't understand all the words, get all the words, okay, I get that. There's probably some scripture that we're going to cover, and if you read through the Bible, there's probably some of that that, that you don't get. Maybe it's like, eh, where is he going on that? But when we look at a table, we get a table, don't we? we here in a couple of weeks, when we gather at Thanksgiving, and there's a table set before us, and our loved ones are with us, those we care about are with us. This table speaks of abundance. It speaks of blessing. All right, we, we get the table, all right? Right? I mean, we, we get this. Anybody should be able to get figure out the table. And whenever he says, you've prepared the table, for, for the people in David's time, when they hear this, they would, they would make the connection. They would be following the shepherding sheep metaphor and go, okay, yeah, he's going to table lands, preparing the table, making sure that the, the table lands are all ready. Because that's what the shepherd would do. He would go up and he would make sure after the winter that, that the, the, the meadows up high were going to be ready. And, and the, the grasses were growing and the streams were, were, they would actually make pools along the side of the stream. So they'd come through and they'd clear out, make sure that anything that got washed out from the winter snow melt was put back and the pools were made and everything was, was ready. Make sure that the poisonous plants were pulled out, that those plants that the sheep would sometimes get a hold of and it would make them sick, even kill them. He'd make sure that they'd look for the holes of the adder snake, all right? And so they would make sure that, that the snakes were gone, that they weren't there to, to be able to get to the, to the sheep. They'd look for the paw prints of the predators, mountain lions, bears, making sure that everything was ready for the sheep. And so people in David's time, they, they would go there, but I think they would also catch a second imagery of this, and that would be the table of banquet, this banquet table that's prepared. And when he begins to think about the table and to talk about the table, they go, oh, the table. And so we have this promise, this idea, this picture of, of the table where I, you, every one of us can. We have a place at the table where we can sit down with our Savior, with our Jesus, and have a conversation. 
and spend time with them. And Jesus might say to you, hey, you want a cup of water? I say, yes, because I'm very thirsty. You have no idea what it's like to speak up here. Okay, maybe you do. All right. And I'd say, uh, would you like a cup of water? And he says, yes, I would. I'd say, good, because it's your water. You gave it to me, and you can have it. And I'd give him some water, and I'd take a drink. And uh, I just have a time with my Savior, me and him, spending time together, eating together, blessing. That's a really big piece. But I'm in this moment with him. And we have this opportunity every day to sit in communion in relationship at the table with our Savior, with our shepherd, with Jesus. That's a beautiful thing because he's prepared the table. Do you know what it cost him to prepare the table? The cross. It took the cross to make this possible. His death to prepare it. Let's not neglect it as we come to the table. Now, there is a problem. Because he, he says in the text there, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. What? We're going to get to the why part of that here in a minute. Again, we'd, uh, we'd like to rewrite that, but we can't. All right, that's what it is. In the presence of my enemies. And so what I'm going to do today, I'm just going to pretend, and um, all, all you all like right down in here, okay? Uh, I'm going to pretend like you're my enemies, all right? I know you love me. I know you're not my enemies. If, uh, if you don't, just leave me a note. It's all right. Um, but anyway, um, but that's what I'm going to pr- pretend like. You're, you're all my enemies. God has... He's, he's prepared this table before you. Now, who are my enemies? What are my enemies? Now, there may be a literal person. There may be a name. Whenever you think about enemies, maybe you, maybe you think about a name. Oh, yeah, yeah, Shelly, she's, you know, maybe you have a name. Um, but it goes beyond that. Enemy can be so much more than that. It can be circumstances. It can be anything in this world that presses in on you. And here's the problem as we sit at the table. We have enemies all around us. This is where, this is where the theology of uh, this being the banquet table of heaven breaks down. You, you, if you've been to a funeral, you may have heard a preacher use this. Uh, I, I think I've probably used it for that idea that one day we're going to be at the banquet table of heaven. And, and you could stretch it and get there. I'm not saying that people did say that are heretics or anything. But this is where it breaks down because in heaven, our enemies aren't going to be there. All right? I mean, in heaven, there's going to be a banquet table, and it's going to be awesome, but I don't have to worry about enemies in, in heaven. Now, right now, when I'm at this table and there's enemies all around, what he's talking about is life. This is life. At the table, world going crazy all around me, pressure's pushing in on me, but I'm still at the table. You follow me? That's what life is. I mean, if we can be really real, okay, you, you're thinking through, maybe you can think through on some of the things that are pressing in on you, and you can speak to the reality. Let's, let's 
take off our little painted on Christian smiles that we put on whenever we come to church and let's face reality here. Life stinks, okay? We go through valleys, we deal with death, we deal with diagnosis, we deal with fighting on the way to church with our spouse, right? I mean, that happens. We, we deal with that. And those things war against us and those circumstances press in and, and push on us. And, but, but yet we still have an invitation to sit at the table in the midst of our enemies. The reason going on in the problem I, I, the problem is sometimes our enemies can try to make their way to our table. They want to they have a seat at the table. They want to push their way in and they want to speak into our minds and into our hearts. And they want, just like whenever the enemy came to Jesus one time and, and he said, hey Jesus, I know you're really hungry. You haven't ate for 40 days. Why don't you... Uh, Take that stone over there and turn it into bread. Doesn't that sound good? I really think he said, hey, why don't you turn it into a red lobster, cheesy, buttery biscuit, you know, because those things were like awesome, you know. And, and I think that's probably what he tempted him with. But what did Jesus say? Don't you know what the word says? He says, man does not live by bread alone. He says, Satan, get out of here. You're not going to sit at my table. Because Jesus, he knew the word, he used the word, and we have that as well. Let, go on in the text, all right? Let's, let's go back to the text here. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. What does that mean? A lot of times in our westernized mind, again, we think, oh, that must be blessing. And it can kind of go there, but let's go back to sheep shepherd metaphor, all right? What's he talking about? Shepherds. Well, as they lead their sheep onto the mesas, would recognize that something else comes out in the summertime. Insects, right? Flies, mosquitoes, and there were all kinds of flies. There was one particular fly, it was called the nasal fly. This fly would fly into the nose, nasal, hmm, see how it works, uh, nasal of a sheep, and it would lay its eggs inside the nose of the sheep. Then you think, okay, it well, uh, becomes larva, the larva would grow up and fly out. No, they don't do that. The larva are hatched, and then they continue to burrow themselves into the nasal cavity of, <laughs> you're loving this, I can tell. Anyway, <clears throat> burrow themselves into the nasal cavity of the sheep, even all the way up into their head, causing an extreme irritation, and it would be not uncommon to see a sheep beating its head on a rock, a tree, running through bushes until it even kills itself trying to get rid of the irritation. So what would shepherds do? They would anoint the head of the sheep with oil. Olive oil, some sp certain spices, take a little lard or grease, smear it on the head of the sheep, especially around the nose, and it would keep the flies away. It was protection. He says, you anoint my head with oil. The enemy is all around me, but you anoint me. What is that anointing in our lives, of the life, in the life of a believer? We have a promised Holy Spirit that is given to us, that walks with us, protects us, guards our back, and makes sure that the enemy can't get to us. We have the anointing of His Word as we 
allow it to come into our minds and into our hearts. That word comes in and it becomes a filter in our brain and in our life that when the enemy comes and he speaks into my life, that he hits that word and goes, nope, just like with Jesus, nope, that doesn't mesh, not going to listen to you. How many of you are listening to the words of the enemy? And you don't even know it because you're not in the word. You're not walking with the shepherd because the enemy is so mm, sneaky. I'll use that word. He'll come in and he'll, hey, how you doing? Here you got a new boss at work. Here he's a jerk. I'd give him a piece of my mind if I was you. I mean, I'd tell him where to go if I was you. I mean, you've been here longer than him anyway, so just, just tell him that, all right? That's what I do. Hey, did you hear about Vanessa? Did you hear what Vanessa said about you? Remember that party the other night, right? Yeah. Yeah, we were all there. I was there because it was a good party. Anyway, um, you and her were having that conversation. All was good. Do you mind if I have a drink? That'd be all right. All was good, and then you left. Did you hear what she said about you? It's like, rawr, rawr, rawr. I mean, she just let it go. Yeah, if I was you, I would start with unfriending her because that's what we do. I mean, we unfriend, right? And then I would just, I would tell everybody all about the secrets that you know about her. Just put it all out there. Get her back. That's what I do. How are things at home? I don't know how you do it. I mean, your husband just lays around, leaves his underwear everywhere. I mean, he's just lazy, lazy, lazy. Have you met Jeff down at the office? Yeah. He's, he's a good guy. Hard worker. I think you really like him. Boom, like that. The enemy speaking into our hearts, into our minds. And we don't even recognize it. And he has so many messages. Anytime you hear a voice that says, there's a better table over there, that's the enemy. Anytime you hear a voice that says, you're not good enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not smart enough, that's the voice of an enemy. Because Jesus gave his life for you. That tells you how precious you are. You're special. Don't listen to that voice that, that tells you something like that. A voice that says, you can make it up this valley by yourself. You don't, you don't need that shepherd. That's the voice of the enemy. Every one of us have, a, have an enemy that's trying to sit at our table. Don't let him have a seat. Now, the last statement that he makes, where he says, my cup overflows. This is where I think he just, the sheep is done. <laughs> He's like, I've, I've given you all the praise, and all I can say now is my cup overflows. 
I can't say anything else, but you've just blessed me so much. And that's what this overflowing idea thinks about. I mean, anybody, when you hear this idea of my cup overflows, it just speaks to blessing. It's like, you've given me, you've given me so much and you just keep on giving and it just keeps going and it just keeps going. There's a power cord underneath here. I better not do that anymore. Anyway. But he just keeps blessing and just keeps going. He just keeps on giving, giving, giving. That's our God. That's our shepherd. And the sheep just can't contain it anymore. But what does that look like in our life? What does the overflowing look like in our life? Let's go back to our enemies. The why. Why does God, why does Jesus set up our table in the midst of all this? in the midst of the world around us. Why? When does God get the most glory? When does God get the most glory in our lives? He gets the most glory when we are in this life and we're dealing with all the things that happen and all the Junk that just keeps barraging us and hammering us and coming against us. The people that keep speaking negatively into us. The the people that keep on looking down on us. The the circumstances that we have no control over. and And we get this diagnosis or you get the phone call or you get... You get the note from a friend that they left. And it was the last thing they wrote. We have no control over those things. Why does he make us sit in the midst of it all? Because the most glory he gets is when we sit in the midst of it all. And all the junk. And we're able to say, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm good. Because my shepherd's with me. And no matter what the enemy sends at me, throws at me, flings at me, whatever, I'm okay. Because I'm at the table with Jesus. There's no better place to be. And so the blessing is supposed to overflow out of our life. You see, the enemy wants you to say, all my coworkers hate me. I'm going to go give them all peace of my mind. I'm going to put the walls up. They're not going to come into my life. I'm I'm ready to punch them out if they do come at me. That's what the enemy says. But God says, no, 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 no. No. Let the blessing overflow. Tomorrow, You take a treat plate to work. And you take that to them, the blessings that I've given you. And you say, would would you like a treat? Yeah, there you go. There you go. You all are taking brownies. That's cheesecake right there. Cheesecake's good. There you go. You know, the enemy told me that you want to take me out. But I know better. And I want to offer you a little bit of the blessing that God's given to me. Y'all, you all want a little bit? I think Cindy might want one too, right? Yeah, yeah, don't let, oh yeah, you know what she likes. There we go. Yeah, yeah, here we go. And this is what you call 
overflowing. All right, you want one little bit? Yeah, take one, there you go. Where you just let the blessing go, all right? Let everybody, just pass that, take the plate, just pass it down, all right? Let the blessing overflow, all right? And when you take that treat plate, and people go, What's, what happened to you? Let me tell you about my shepherd. Let me tell you about what Jesus means to me. The hope and the forgiveness that I need and that I need to give to you. Even though I will. Even though I will. Even though I will not be afraid. What goes in your blank? Because I know that there are all kinds of even those happening right now in this room. Circumstances that you're in. Even though I will. I will not be afraid. Even though I will worship. Even though I'm going through that, I'm going to obey. Even though I'm going to continue to pray and press in. Even though. What's your even though? And then I'm going to invite you, as Jesus has already invited you. Come to the table. Spend time at the table. Every day sitting in communion with your Savior, with Jesus. Sharing with Him, lifting up concern, talking to Him, allowing Him to just pour into your life and to bless you. We need that every day. But what I love about here, our church and other churches like ours is we take a moment every week to come to the table. We take a moment to remember what Christ has done for us. The price that He paid to set the table for us that we can sit in blessing and we can sit in this relationship with Him and we take this moment, this time of communion to, to focus in on Him and to put the, put the enemy away. The enemy's trying to, right now, he's trying to remind you of your past, your sin, the things that you've done just this last week, maybe even this morning. He's going, you can't, you can't, you, are, you shouldn't be in church. You couldn't even call yourself a Christian. Shut up, all right? You're not at my table. I'm here with Jesus, and I'm about to have a time of communion with Him, and I'm about to focus on Him. And this is a moment that's just for me and Him. And every week we pause and we do just that. That's why this, we don't want to take this flippant. That's why every week we don't want to just rush past communion. We want to pause and we want to think about Him give him praise as we take the communion elements. And here in just a moment, they're, they're going to be passed, and you're going to find bread in the middle and juice on the outside, and that bread represents the body of Christ that was broken for us. The blood, that juice represents his blood that was shed for us. And we take this communion, and we remember the price that was paid so we can sit at the table with him. Let me pray, and our men will take, we'll share the communion. Father in heaven, we thank you we thank you that we can come into this moment and, and worship. We can come into this moment and we can remember. We can come into this moment and we can celebrate. And so, God, as we come into this moment, God, draw us near. Help us to draw near to you. God, help us to silence the voice of the enemies that 
that are warring against us, that are trying to remind us of all kinds of things that are happening around us. God, help us to push those aside and put our our focus, our attention on You and You alone. God, we give You praise and we give You thanks for Jesus that makes this moment possible, that has prepared the table before us, even in the presence of our enemies. God, we give You praise. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.